Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the TakeCast. My name is Davis Maddock. You guys can find me on Twitter at Davis Maddock. In this episode of the show, I am joined by my buddy Jeff Williams. You probably know him better as at YellowSub86. He is a CryptoPunk holder, a longtime Bitcoin OG, and also was very involved in uh, the 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 Calicon days of poker, right? Uh, Post Money Maker, pre Black Friday, and and we get into all of that. Of course, we talk about you know some some global financial market stuff, some NFT stuff, and uh, you know I of course think that Jeff is incredibly intelligent, and I think that um, all of you guys will enjoy what he has to say. Uh, a reminder: the show is sponsored by Underdog Fantasy. You can download the Underdog Fantasy app. Use the promo code Grid. To hop in there, you can get a free wager inside of the Pick'em game, and now you can join an in-season best ball tournament, uh, something that I am looking forward to participating in myself. And if you want to support this show, you can also subscribe to patreon.com slash takecast for bonus episodes, or you can just leave a rating or review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Now let's go ahead and get into the show. All right, everyone, welcoming in... Uh, what I think is going to be a, a very interesting guest, Jeff Williams. You might know him better uh, as his his poker handle, and I assume probably his uh, his NFT metaverse handle of Yellow Sub. I I have I've heard the legends of Yellow Sub for a long time from TJ and and Kyle Cannon and all all my um you know my poker DFS buddies. So very excited to have you on the show and 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 shoot the shit. Absolutely, Matt JD. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, so I, I always like to, to begin with, you know, just a, a little bit of, of background and, and stuff like that. So how did you enter into all of this insanity, right? Everyone has their, I, I found out I was a degenerate, you know, Genesis story, right? <laughs> oh, this is how I found poker. This is how I found Bitcoin. This is how I found X, Y, and Z. What is the, the yellow sub Genesis block? Sure. So um, I played cards my whole life. Uh, my, my mom, you know, uh, took me to, uh, you know, her poker games at her family reunions and we'd gamble for, you know, roll of quarters and stuff. And I was five years old or something. So I've been playing cards for a long time, uh, enjoyed, you know, that, that speed and that, um, that space, um, you know, I was always comfortable, uh, you know, uh, shooting it with, um, you know, with, uh, like-minded people, um, kind of got more serious, uh, in 2003, uh, a lot of people will remember that was when, uh, Chris Moneymaker started, yep. uh, started, uh, running it at the world series, um, ESPN, um, you know, much to my benefit filmed it all and, uh, was showing it pretty much on loop. It felt like, I mean, that was where, I, yes. don't, I don't know if it's a slow sports time or, or what was going on, but, um, it was all, all WSOP all the time. And then Phil Ivey got deep that year and Sam Farha got seconds. And, and these are, these are, you know, uh, deities, um, to a, uh, you know, kid in high school. Who's just, uh, you know, who's looking up to these guys thinking, I, I, could I do that? I, I don't know. Like, let's play though. And so, you know, uh, friends and I would, um, just got in our cars. And so we'd have, um, you know, the, the gamble for the change, um, right. in our, in our cup holders and stuff. And, uh, you know, those, those games, you know, yielded to, to games where you buy in with, with money and have chips and, you know, the buy-ins got as, as, as high as, as $20 sometimes. And so, um, you know, I was, uh, I was doing well enough in those games that, um, I was able to uh, quit Chick-fil-A uh, which was my, which was my first job. Big day. And um, yeah. it was, it was, it was huge. It was huge. You know, uh, your, uh, your high school lifestyle doesn't need a, a whole lot of sustenance. So, um, you know, and, and was doing well enough in those games that I could uh, forward a deposit onto party poker. And, um, 
you know, put that 50 bucks on, got the the matching bonus money or, or what have you. And, and got, and got run out of, run off the table. You know, my, my tricks that I would use against, oh, yeah. um, against my friends did not, did not cut it on the, uh, on the, on the wild, wild west. And so, uh, you know, I think I ran my head into that wall four or five more times at, at the $50 level. And just, you know, I was like, man, I, this is fun though. Like I, I enjoy this, enjoy the competition. Oh, it's so um, just staying up so late. Like I, it was, you know, it's like, man, I, I really, I find myself really enjoying this. And so, um, you know, one of the buy-ins finally stuck. Uh, I think I ran you know, 50 into 3000 or something and was able to afford a deposit on the you know, poker stars and, and kind of, you know, and I think I busted all of that and, and did this whole cycle again a few times. I think, you know, anybody who says they ran their first buying up is like either insanely lucky or, or maybe not. Uh, like insanely maybe, lucky. Yeah. Maybe not telling the truth. Um, so I, um, you know, uh, by the time I got to UGA um, where I went to uh, college, I probably had, um, I don't know, $10,000 or something. Like I had done, I had done, you know, what, what I thought was quite well, um, but, you know, hadn't, hadn't really started out yet. Won a, um, won a satellite uh, one, one Saturday, cause that was what I did in college is play poker, um, to a, um, a super satellite to a satellite to go to a uh, tournament out in Europe, um, that, um, you know, I was able to win the super satellite and then played the satellite, won the satellite. Uh, so, you know, called mom, we went shopping to get like, I don't know, nice clothes. Cause the tournament was in Monte Carlo. And so oh, you know, I'm thinking, nice. yeah. I'm thinking it's James Bond. I'm thinking, uh, you know, I got to wear a tuxedo and have a, have a, a Walther PP seven with me. Um, turns out it's not like that. Um, but really, that's, is, honestly, is, that's disappointing. It is still really, it is still really nice and really ritzy in parts, but where they had the tournament was a convention center. So it was, you know, um, more, more, more poker on which, you know, it was, was good for me because I am, um, you know, was not, was not ready, did not have a tuxedo. Um, and, um, you know, uh, got there and, and, uh, ran really well. Um, I, uh, you know, first day, uh, you know, in the top five in chips and second day was chip leader and third day, just, you know, just everything worked and, and nothing didn't. And, um, you know, ended up winning the tournament. And so that kind of, uh, that kind of launched so me. That, you know, like, like the well, three leg, like the three leg parlay of hitting like, Oh, I mean like, like money each one line plus on, a thousand yeah. or something. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It was, you know, probably plus 1500 plus 5,000 plus 25,000, you know, just, just hit, hit, hit. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was super fortunate. Uh, looking back on it now, it's probably even more fortunate. I really didn't sell any pieces, um, which, you know, absolutely should have, um, playing for, you know, a tournament that was by my, my bankroll. Yeah. Um, you're, you're know about life roll. I hadn't thought about it yet. I didn't, nobody had really told me. Um, so, you know, you just play tournaments, you know, with the buy-in. So, um, yeah, so that kind of launched me into it. And I, you know, it was, it was I never turned back from there. That was, um, you know, uh, the agreement with my parents was, uh, you know, they really wanted me to graduate college. I didn't drop out. Um, you know, had some friends that, that, that did for sure. Um, oh, yeah. but I, um, you know, I could get the grades I wanted to, I could take the speed I wanted to, um, you know, I could still, uh, I could still play cards, just, just try to get that paper at the end. So, you know, it was what's fortunate to do that and, um, you know, and still get to play some. So that'd be the, that's the, that's the full generous story for you. Yeah. And, and just like a very, um, you know, just a very fortuitous time. Cause when the moneymaker thing and, and all that stuff was happening, I guess I didn't turn 18 until like three, two, two months before Black Friday. So I, I would okay. play, I would play on my dad's account. My dad had a right. full tilt account and I would play on his account. And then I had a full tilt account where I couldn't deposit because I was underage, <laughs> but I could, I could play the, 
I still, I still have like very visceral memories of the, um, the daily dollar free roll that they would sure. do. And if you were under daily you dollars, could, no doubt, you could play, you could play the free roll and they would, you would get money in your account and like eventually whatever, I must've gotten like top 10 or something in that. So I had money in my account and I, I was going to college like you. And I was like, Oh, I'm just going to play poker all the time. And I'm at college for like probably two weeks. And I still, I remember coming home from my dorm room and logging into full tilt and getting <laughs> the FBI, you know, this, this site is no longer oh. operational thing, like just un, unreal. But yeah, I mean the, so if I was, I like, I tell this to myself, but who knows, I was never that great at cards, but I tell myself if I was five years older, I would have, uh, I would have been able to ride that wave as well. It, it really was just the most fortuitous time with, with all of this stuff. Just, you know, looking back, if I was born five years earlier, if I was born five years later, you know, five years earlier, I might've been, you know, established in doing a career, being consultants or something. You know, it's like, it's, you, you look at the counterfactuals and it's just like, oh man, like hit this one, hit this one, right? Once in five lifetimes, it doesn't happen. So, you know, luck has yeah. a big role to play with it. And anybody who, uh, anybody who says otherwise, um, I don't know, like, <laughs> I don't, I have to disagree. Well, people, people just in general have a very hard time viewing themselves as the outlier. Like you, because you, you've lived your own experiences, you've lived your own life and you know, all of the steps that took you to get you there. And you're like, yeah, you know, I, I did this. I was smart enough. I was cunning enough. You know, I, I did X, Y, or Z to put myself in the position and, and it works both ways. You know, people uh, who are like really unsuccessful, are like, you know, they, they get really down on themselves and they're like, you know, I, I, I'm really unsuccessful because of X, Y, or Z or people who are super successful are like, yeah, I did X, Y, or Z. We, we have a hard time separating ourselves from the outcomes of our life. Like it's, it's hard to see the vagaries sure. of randomness in your life. I would say before we get too far off the pace, I, I think that the only constant is the deflection of, of self-criticism. Um, which, you know, appears to someone that's unsuccessful uh, will sometimes, you know, try to blame that on external factors or someone who is successful will, will internalize all of that. And, right. you know, that's something that, you know, if you want to be successful, it's very good to be self-critical, I think, um, and, and be able to evaluate your, where you did get lucky. So you don't try to just run the same playbook and, you know, hope for the same outcome. Well, it happened last time. You know, that's, that's a, uh, I think a leak that some people have um, both, both ways. Yeah. All right. We got it. We got to hear some more stories. You know, anyone, anyone who played poker uh, as long, as long as you have. So I, I assume you have, I mean, probably your favorite win was, was that one was the, was the Monte sure. Carlo win? I mean, I mean, maybe sure. not, I, I don't know. Uh, but you know, do you have may, maybe another favorite win, a bad beat you put on, I don't know, Phil Hellmuth or something like, or, <laughs> or, or just like the best session, like you, like one of your, your best associated poker memories. Sure. I mean, I think that um, when I was I was thinking back through it um, at at Monte Carlo, um, it's probably day three. I had I don't know two hundred and fifteen k in chips, two hundred twenty five k in chips, something like that. It was uh, three and six k blinds. Uh, so it was you know it was getting to be on the shallower side. They were starting to bust people out, and uh, you know as live tournaments do, they give you a lot of play in the beginning, and then they you know they send you on your way at some point. Um, and uh, it folded my button. I think I had five, six. And I, uh, the, the two blinds were shorter. Uh, I think they had, one had, you know, 40K and the other had six seventy five k or something like that. So I, I shoved it all in. Uh, small blind folds and big blind is, uh, if, you're, if you're deep in poker, you remember the name Johnny Lawton. And if you're not deep in poker, you might oh, know yeah. what Lawton I know, thinks. I know Johnny Lawton. Um, 
And so, you know, this is a, uh, this is a guy who I have, you know, spent nights watching play, you know, $5,000 heads up matches. This guy is, you know, as close to a, uh, as close to a God in, in poker as, uh, as can be. And he's in the big one. And, um, you know, he looks down at the first one and he's, um, he's, he's Scandinavian. I don't know if he's, uh, if he's Finnish or, or what, but he looks at the first one and we've been playing for, for hours at that point. So he, he knew my name. I knew his name. Um, you know, that's not to say he respected me at all, but sure. he looks down at the first one. He goes, Jeff, this is a good one. And the second one, he goes, I have to call you. And he had, I think he had ace jack or something. And it just, it just came eight, five, three blank, blank. And, and I busted him out. You know, he was total class act about it. Totally, uh, totally an awesome dude, but like hitting that five uh, with the five, six and just, and knocking out, uh, you know, the, the, the best player at the Yeah. Time. Knocking out, knocking out the Mr. Law from things. behind, uh, you know, and a truly like an idol, you know, godlike figure. Um, that one, that one, I'll be an old man before I forget. Uh, that was that was one of those just super fortunate, um, you know, the cards fell my way and 35 percent came in and, uh, you know, um, to knock out Johnny Lawton out of that tournament and then go on to win was like, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that is that is a that is a very good story. I mean, that most most people play poker for a lifetime and don't have anything quite. Th- I mean, that's the rounder story, right? That that's bluffing Johnny sure. Chan, basically. <laughs> Except he called me because I, <laughs> I just got lucky, but I'm OK with it. Um, I, I, uh, I had a good run in a tournament in a Borgata. I've, I've only been to Atlantic city twice uh, to play. Uh, it's, it's tougher to get to, like, I, I like, I like playing there. It's just, uh, it's just a little bit um, of a challenge for somebody who lives in Atlanta, but um, I, uh, that was a tournament where I ended up getting ninth, but I, uh, I folded um, aces twice or I folded Kings twice pre-flop in that tournament uh, for my stack. And uh, my opponents were kind enough to show me aces both times. And that was uh Wow, that was the that was kind of the best I don't know the best feeling you can have while while uh, while losing or while not winning a pot is to uh, to throw away kings preflop. Um, you know, it, it was one of those things that you probably shouldn't do. It was probably like a mistake because uh, they could have had them the exact same thing with with queens or ace king, but um, they were they were kind enough to show me both times, and so that was one of those you 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 don't forget. Um, no, you, you don't do it forget twice a, a in the same reach. tournament, and it's both yeah, it's right both times. It's like, <laughs> All right. All right. We're doing so, all right today. Uh, did you, did you ever go out and play the world series? I mean, I assume like that was the, that was the goal. It's like, you know, moneymaker, right? We got to go, Absolutely. I got to go play the main event. A- Absolutely. Yeah. I would, I would go every year. It was, it was, um, you know, summer camp for the, uh, for the degenerates, uh, you know, go kind of register the event that morning, you know, hopefully play all day uh, and then maybe make a day two. A lot of times not. And uh, you know, we'll go play in the side games or, uh, you know, get in trouble around Vegas. Uh, it was, it was you know, so fun. And I still try to go out there. Um, you know, I don't think they ran it last year and I think they're running it uh, next month or the month after this year. I try to get out there, you know, for a week, every time at least, and, uh, you know, see the old crew and, 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 and eat well and, and play a few events. It's, it's still just so fun. It's like a, like an old, you know, convention of the, of the buddies. So yeah, definitely played that. Um, never, never did win a bracelet. Got a, I think got a second, a third and a fourth. Um, so, so definitely, um, Definitely tried, um, but plenty of time left came up short. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's good attitude. Yeah. Bracelets now are they're. I feel like they're, they're, they're cheaping them a little bit. They're making all the online tournaments now will pay you a bracelet on WSOP.com and stuff. So, you know, you know, it's not cheap if you win one. Right. But it's um, I feel like it's a little um, it's not as much prestige as it was when it was only the you know 40 they gave you in the summer. And, you know, you got to got to win one of these. You You knew who it was and big bracelet side bets. I don't know if you were, uh, you know, watching any of those, but, uh, Tom oh, yeah. would have huge side action on trying to win a bracelet. So it was, 
you know, the huge chase and huge sweats. And it was just, it was really fun times, man. Yeah. I was a, I was a big like poker nerd. Like I listened to poker road radio with, um, okay. with Seabock, Seabock and Stapleton That's right. and yeah. uh, Ali Najad. I, um, if, if I would, I, my dream for this show is to someday do uh, two Jacks in the Hole reunion with Huff and Stapes. I mean, that would, I, I have reached out to Stapleton about doing it before. I say, you can make, you can make that. That's a thing. Yeah. That's out but there. Scott, That's Scott out there is just you. very busy and is like a dad. And um, ah. I don't, I, I don't, I mean, he, I, I actually, funnily enough, I played in a fantasy football league with those guys, like way, way back in the day, back when they were still doing that show. So I think Scott would maybe respond to my email. Maybe, maybe we'll, You're maybe fun. we'll do it someday. But yeah, I mean, I was, you know, following all, and this was even before Twitter, right? Like, like the heyday of poker was like, you were on, you were on like two plus two and you sure. were reading like blogs and stuff. And I mean, you know, Phil Ivy and Durr and Patrick Antonius and all those guys. I mean, they just seemed like larger than life. Like, I, I don't, I, I think they, they kind of were, it was, yeah. I mean, they played a different game, you know, it was um, those guys, those guys still to me, you know, like you don't, you don't stop, uh, you know, idolizing your heroes. You know, those guys were, those guys were heroic figures for sure. They would, uh, you know, they would do things and, and you know, make plays and play for money that, uh, you know, you could only, only imagine. So yeah, I, I, those guys are, uh, still uh, occupy special space in some of my head. Yeah. I mean, I think if I, if I was to like talk to, to Durr or to Ivy or something, like I, I think that I probably would. Um, I think that I would probably be like more starstruck by either one of those guys than I would be by like a really famous athlete. Cause I've met a fair number of athletes doing all this stuff and, and had them on the sure. show and all that. And generally speaking, athletes uh, generally speaking, they're all very kind and, uh, like I've had good conversations with them, but I feel like, I don't know, like, I think I would be too nervous to do a podcast with Tom Dwan. I mean, I would love, I would love to do it, but I, just, like, I would just be like, this guy's such a mega mind. Like, I don't even know if there's anything we can relate about, <laughs> but damn it. We're going to try. <laughs> right. Um, so, all right, let's, uh, well, actually another question I had, have you, have you kept up with poker basically like the the solver stuff the, ev the evolution of the game i mean that one of the one of the most shocking things to me was you know i kind of just tuned out of poker for a while and i i came back like a lot of people did during you know hardcore pre-vaccine um coronavirus when we really weren't going anywhere or doing anything and sure. started playing cards online again and what i found is that it's just a, a whole new game the way people talk about poker is way different you know, you, you talk about a hand history and people aren't like, oh, you did the wrong thing or you did the right thing. They're like, you did the wrong thing 13% of the time and the right thing 45% of the time. You right. Know? The, and the free, uh, yeah, frequencies, the frequencies. And solvers. And yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a brave new world out there. And to answer your question, no, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a full recreational now. Um, I, I have not kept up with it. I think that the, the guys that have are, are on a different level. I mean, you know, to the point where they're almost playing a different game. Uh, they, they know their frequencies. They know these spots and they've just done so much, you know, off the, off the felt research and, and studying that, you know, I, I would find myself at a, at a pretty big disadvantage. You know, I didn't, I didn't enjoy playing poker when I wasn't, um, you know, feeling like I could win. And so I right. don't know how, I don't know how, you know, how it would be to, to go gamble and you know, feel like uh, all these guys had done so much work, you know, and, and props to them. I mean, the, the, you can still play for real big money and I know they tour around, you know, all over the world. It's still play a uh, you know, short deck. Um, at least was very big. I don't know if it still is or right. not. And, um, yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm full rec life now. I, I looked at one of the solvers one time. And said, ah, you know, I, I, I find other stuff interesting now. 
Yeah, I got into it for like, honestly, probably like three weeks where I was like, I'm gonna, and I just, it's not, it, it's not, I'm just not very good at it. Um, like that, that's not the type of stuff that I, and like, I, I, I got a decent handle on it. I had Andrew Brokos, uh, he wrote, um, uh, Thinking Poker, uh, sure. two really good books. They're, they're really good. I had him on the show and, um, you know, that was very helpful, but it is, it's just like, uh, it, it's just a whole new game. Like it, 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 it's not, even. it's not, I mean, back in 2005, it was just like, who could raise more pre-flop and like that was, those, the, that was the best. Like if you'd click back like six times pre-flop that like meant you were really good and had a good <laughs> game theory. <laughs> it, it evolves and, uh, you know, you love to see it and it's a kind of a natural evolution that the computers would get involved. I mean, there's a, there's, there's too much knowledge that they can unlock for us. So it definitely makes sense. But, you know, as, as far as, uh, as far as chasing it down, I think you have to love it. And, you know, I just, I, I didn't, I, I didn't, I didn't love doing it. So, you know, you know always right. give me disadvantage to the people that do. Um, all right. Black Friday. Where were you? What did you do? What was, what was it like? I mean, everyone's Black Friday story. I, I, I find to be generally pretty interesting. Black Friday was tough, man. Black Friday was real tough. Um, I, it was a uh, Friday morning for sure. Uh, I was, uh, back home from school at my parents' house. Um, uh, you know, I had been on, a, I had been on a rush recently online. Uh, had won, had won a lot of money. Um, was doing really well. Uh, probably, you know, my, my all time high in account balances, um, had a few horses that had hit some tournaments. Um, you know, it just was like, things were, were really, you know, on an upswing and, uh, you know, went to, I think it was full tilt was the first one I went to log into. Um, that morning, you know, cause that was my routine. I would, I would get up and have my breakfast, you know, put my face on and then like, you know, go check out the game, see if there's anybody sitting, you know, see, see kind of, you know, where, what the right. state of online poker was. And, um, yeah, logged in and full tilt. I don't know if you remember, they had the cards that went back and forth. Um, you know, yeah. kind of like a, a deck of cards, like, uh, being shuffled or riffled or something like that. And, uh, it just kept going back and forth. It's like, Hmm. What, what's, what is this? So I went to, you know, went to the website, which was not you know, terribly uncommon. The software was, was good, but it did, it did bug out sometimes, and, you know, go to the website, see if there's a, a download or something like that. And, uh, that was when I was greeted by it. Um, you know, the, uh, the FBI insignia, uh, saying that, so, uh, this so is crazy to remember it. It's just so you crazy run, to remember. That's how it happens. You run right to AIM, you run right to, um, the two plus two, you, uh, you know, Boys, what, 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 what is this? Uh, this is <laughs> this. This seems bearish. Um, what, what do we, uh, what do we have going on here? And you know, the rest of the day, just uh, stayed at home and you know, tried to figure out, you know, do, do I get my money? Uh, there was a couple sites that were still playing. Uh, I don't know if you put an ultimate bet, um, but that site still would like run games because they. It turned out they didn't have any money, so they were just like, well, screw what, it. What like, does it matter? Yeah, right. Like you guys want to play cards for I don't know play real money turned out to be real money because uh they got bought by uh they got bought by poker stars um or the the money that poker stars forfeited went to pay ultimate bet players or something like that i got the balance in full i mean seven years later or something but uh turned out to be you know real money with a with a, a time value money discount on it but uh yeah that was a uh that was a day i won't even forget that that pit in your stomach you know the, the kind of the drop like as you realize that you know it's all over that those balances are you know maybe not coming back and there is no tomorrow to, you know, there's no Saturday tournaments that are going to be running. There's no, no plans for Sunday anymore. Like that was a, um, it was, it was just so violent, you know, it came, it came truly out of nowhere. Um, so, you know, you kind of maybe had the writing on the wall. You kind of maybe knew that it wasn't fully, fully sustainable, but with no warning like that, it was, it was tough. It was tough. Yeah. 
So where, uh, I mean, I, I know that, that Bitcoin basically, uh, saved, uh, a lot of, a lot of poker players then. Um, so what was, what was your, like, so black Friday happens, people start to move their money offshore. People try to, you know, figure out what are they going to do for, what are they going to do for a job? You know, do they have to get a job? Do I need to move to Canada? Do I need to move to, I don't think Macau was happening back yet then, but it was like the. If it was, I wasn't aware of it. Yeah, I think yeah. it was. I think a lot of people moved to Mexico, and a lot of people, um, you know, moved to Canada and the Montreal, Vancouver, Toronto scene. Uh, I think they moved their bodies offshore uh, to keep to keep doing what they were doing. They wanted to keep playing cards. I mean, that was you know they were card players. <laughs> like the games are still right. running. Uh, they were having Sunday tournaments. Uh, it's just you know, sans Americans. So, um, you know, I had I. Uh, you know, I had a serious girlfriend at the time who, you know, later became my wife. I, uh, you know, all my family was here. I, I just, I wasn't going to move. So I, I didn't, you know, ever uh, seriously entertain it. Um, but I, I had a lot of friends that, that did, and, you know, some that, uh, that stayed over there for a while, um, keep playing the games. So, um, you know, uh, Bitcoin kind of came a little bit later. Um, it was, you know, the, the people that didn't move was like, well, you know, you get the itch, right. You've been playing every day for, you know, a decade or, or yeah, what a decade, and, right? Um, yeah, and so, um, you know, you uh, you want to play some, and uh, you know, a friend told me about uh, you know this website that was that was playing for for bitcoins. I didn't know. I mean, you know, he had to describe it to me like a poker chip. You know, oh, okay, that's something I can get. Thank you for putting it in terms I can understand because I, I did not the ethos of decentralization and uh, you know <laughs> anarchy and uh, uh, all that stuff was uh, was very very lost. Uh, on me it was like can i gamble yes yeah. how do i gamble with these let's do it um so i was able to uh you know uh, play some on there and uh the games were good i was uh um yeah, enough of the good players had moved overseas but they didn't need to like find alternative websites they right. paid for you know real money on 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 real websites with good software and, and all this stuff so um you know it was um it was a a, a fertile ground for for a little while and i think the you know, good players started coming in, of course, um, as, as happens with anything. And eventually I was not the best there anymore. And, and, you know, kind of limped away with my tail between my legs after a few, uh, few bruising losses, um, that, that are bigger now, um, in hindsight for sure. But, right. um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, everyone, everyone has that story, which is always miserable to think about. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and, um, I think the, one of the, the fortunate things for me was after I, after I you know, stopped playing on the site, I, uh, I put all my, I didn't know where to store my coins. Uh, you know, the, the hardware wallets hadn't been invented yet. Uh, there right. wasn't great tutorials on, on what to do with, with coins. And so, you know, your choices were to sell them or, you know, keep them on an exchange or something like that. Cause they had the infrastructure. And so, you know, I sent all my coins to Mount Gox, um, which was the exchange, the exchange. Uh, at the time. And, um, you know, had them on there for, for months. Um, in hindsight, incredibly risky. Um, just just terrifying. Like, what, what were you thinking? Um, learned what a paper wallet was, I think about two weeks before they stopped doing withdrawals, uh, which is another one of those, you know, points in your life. It's like, like I could have been a, just a, a bitter, bitter no-coiner that, you know, um, blew yep. to Tokyo and, and, raged at a, and raged at an office building, um, you know, but for you know, something on my to-do list getting bumped to the top that, uh, you know, wasn't very fun and, and kind of painful. And, um, you know, Big so time. yeah, got, got, got super fortunate there to not, not get goxed. Um, but I, I know some people that did, you know, just, just 
really unfortunate to have you know full tilt and then uh, and then Mount Gox you know back to back. Yeah, the the parlay of people who got full tilted and then Mount Gox is like, man, that's just so unlucky. I I don't like the the mental health, uh, my mental health of, of being in that situation. I can't imagine. I would be I would be miserable every day of my life. I think it would be it would be it would be tough tough. You need some therapy for sure. You'd be tough a uh, tough area to overcome. You know, kind of a, a why me, why this sim. Um, yeah, so, you know, managed to avoid that, which is fortunate for sure. So along, along the way, how did you get, or, or did you ever get, you know, Bitcoin pilled? Like, how did you, how did you learn like, oh, this is actually like amazing. Like this is actually (laughs) hard money. Like this, this, this protocol that, that this, I don't know. My, I, I've always sub, uh, subscribed to the coin talk show theory. I don't know if you've ever listened to, to, to Aaron Lammer and Jay Kang, but uh, oh, I think once, yeah, they have this amazing theory that Satoshi was just a guy who got scammed on eBay and PayPal wouldn't <laughs> help him out. And that and that it's all that the entire decentralized infrastructure was like a really smart, you know, computer programmer type guy who got scammed off of, of eBay and was like, there's got to be a better way. Well, you know, the, uh, like the true story about Vitalik created Ethereum was that he was a, a jilted, I think he was World of Warcraft player Yep, who got his account hacked or scammed or something like that and and uh, it was a blizzard I don't, I don't know who makes uh who makes wow but uh they wouldn't help him and he was like the, i i need control then if you guys can't do this like i'm going you know and obviously he was very smart and, and all that stuff but you know one of the genesis stories of, of ethereum is that you know he 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 was that guy he was the uh the jilted uh, centralized entity uh fellow i think to answer your question bitcoin pill took me it took me a while uh, it was yeah. not. It was not something that came as as naturally um, as as it did for for uh, a lot of people in the space. Um, you know, after um, you know the poker kind of stopped being a, a thing to do with Bitcoin, it was kind of like we we reached a, a fork in the road. You know, like now we have these coins. They're worth I don't know. You know, seventy five dollars a piece. Like what what do we do? What do we do with them? Um, and you know, you you of course have two choices. You can move them back to fiat, and you can. Uh, I don't know, keep them. There wasn't, there wasn't Ethereum. There wasn't, you know, other things. This was just its own little niche software project at the time. Um, and, you know, so before, before you, before you sell, uh, you want to, you want to understand, you know, what, what trade you're entering. So, you know, did, did a lot of research at the time and, you know, kind of um, would read. So I don't, I don't know if uh, uh, Jameson Lopp had his website yet, but uh, there was some, there was some early kind of writers on Bitcoin. I was a member at Bitcoin Talk, which is one of the early, uh, kind of the two plus two. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, of Bitcoin, and you know, just just when you start getting into the space and you start reading a lot about this stuff, you you, you meet a the internet is so great about this, and I'm sure you've experienced it too. That you get to meet like-minded people that you just wouldn't have in in, in any other time in history beforehand. You get to meet the people that have a, a mind meld with you that like you know just you know whether it's geography, whether you know what have you, uh, age, like you wouldn't have talked to them before. And so getting to you know, read and think about other people's thoughts on this stuff really influenced me in a way that, you know, I don't think an article could have. It was, these were real people with right. real answers to questions like, you know, what could Bitcoin be? You know, could this, could this, you know, could this have massive price appreciation? A, but then what does that mean? B, like what, what happens if this does, you know, go well? I mean, I had emails that say that, you know, believers think that this coin could hit a hundred dollars at one point, uh, you know, like right. it was, it was to the point where you know, nobody nobody grasped the scale. I mean, maybe maybe Hal Finney uh, grasped the scale of what he was doing, uh, but I 
I certainly didn't. A lot of the people, you know, that we were with certainly didn't. And, you know, it was just, let's, let's, let's see how this experiment develops. You know, it's already catching some, some speed. It is useful for payments. We've already seen it can, uh, you know, help with, with gambling and like, you know, how big is this market? How, how, how many people are going to want these things? There is only 21 million. There's only you know, 12 million issued so far, but you know, who's going to want these things? Like I, I've taken a passion yeah. to them. Like are there people out there like me that just haven't found them yet? Like I think so. Maybe. Probably. And um, yeah. And then turned out, turned out there was. Which is um, I mean, as a, as a long time holder, I find that like the, the longer I hold, it's it, it's kind of it's kind of two things. Um, so like the longer you hold, the stronger your conviction becomes, and then two, also your like understanding of why decentralized money actually would be important. Um, and and honestly, until the last like eighteen months, I I was kind of I would probably even like a Federal Reserve apologist, right, or like a kind of like a believer, not not a believer, but like understanding the theory behind or the the thought impulse behind like modern monetary theory and Keynesian economics and stuff. And I'm definitely not like sure. one of these like Mises Institute guys that's like, you know, I, I'm not a I'm not a member of the have fun staying poor brigade. And, and like <laughs> a lot of the a lot of the, you know, you make your own luck philosophy of Bitcoin maxis is really, um, really distasteful to me. But I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. You know, yeah. they were they were successful in a trade and now you know, right. everyone should have been successful. But I, I do believe that having a way to, because all, all that money is, is, is a way to store the value of our time. It's a way to, it's a way to, to value your time. And so money is, is a stored bank of your time. And it doesn't really make a ton of sense to have other people able to willy nilly change the value of your time post facto, that, that after you've already done the time, chosen a way to store it, then another entity and group gets to change the value. Like, so like, and you know, the, the, the memes of like, oh, the, you know, inflation, it's transit story or whatever, but like real inflation is so high right now. Housing way up, food prices way up. I, 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 the, I mean, the most amazing thing was that people were able to sell their used cars for more than they for bought more. them for when like used cars are like the biggest sink of money in the should world be. should yeah. be until, until we get to turn on its head but yes yes i, I noticed that during covid wait yeah that that it, market's it, out of whack and so so for a long time years i mean probably like four years of being a bitcoin holder i was like this is a really good investment an investment right um and philosophically i believe in what it stands for but what also one of the things i i love about bitcoin is that philosophically it really doesn't stand for anything right like that, that's, it's kind of, it is what you put on it. it. It's a, it's a protocol of which there are 21 million issuances and it's, it's just a bunch of code and people put a lot of values on it, but you know, it, it, it is kind of what you make of it basically at the end it's, of the day. It's absolutely one of the strongest bull cases for Bitcoin is that it can just, it can just become what you need it to be. It, it, it has that, that metamorphosis property to it. That is, you know, if you want it to, you know, help you. Gamble, it can help you gamble. If you want it to help you store wealth, it can help you store wealth. If you want it to, you know, trade it into something else to get exposure to a, a shitcoin or an NFT, like it can help you with it. It just, it just kind of it, it has it has incredible um, uh, malleability into into different ideas and different um, different ways of uh, of helping people. And and it's it's 
you know, helpfulness at the end of the day is why people give it value. And why it's also why, um, you know, I mean, the, the, the Bitcoin FUD that gets the most traction is that it's tied to the S&P 500 and that if the, if the, the music ever stops and, and people are left without a chair, the Bitcoin will see itself crashing the same way that, you know, Amazon stock will or whatever, or, or GE, you know, it just doesn't matter. And I, I find now that so many different types of people are using it on, on all across the world for all these different reasons that I, I wonder if actually that's not as true. Certainly you would expect some money to leave the ecosystem from like institutions or, you know, retail people mm-hmm. who get scared or whatever. But, you know, if, if I would have uh, came from the future and logged on to Bitcoin talk and told you guys that within 10 years, any government doesn't even matter that it's a shitty autocratic government in El Salvador. If I told you that any government owned Bitcoin and was like purposely using it as its reserve currency, you guys would have been like, not a fucking chance. No it's way. President out. is tweeting by the dip and, uh, and then backing it up. You know, it's, it is a, uh, it's, it's a funny part of the sim. I think one of the, you know, the, um, the no coiner arguments that, that resonates with me is it's not a productive asset, um, yeah. you know, and so therefore in an investment portfolio, it doesn't have a place because, you know, do we do we put oil into a normal investment portfolio? No, we put stocks, we put bonds, right? Like these yeah. are these are assets that have humans behind them. You know, you own a share of Apple computers, and a lot of people are now working for you, and they're working to make make cash. You know, very abstractly, how much this actually translates to share price, I'm not sure, but it does matter. It matters to to the price that that you have people working for you to generate cash to potentially even dividend it back to you and you can make your make your share back or, or what have you. So, I, I do I do sympathize with that. Um, I don't, I don't have a great answer for them. Like Bitcoin is not a productive asset in that sense. It does not, it's never going to have cash flow. Um, right. You can wrap the Bitcoin, you can put it on a staking site. You can, you can make cash flow in other ways with, with Bitcoin, but you know, a true Bitcoin that's sitting on the Bitcoin network, it just it doesn't have, it doesn't have cash flow. And, and, you know, so for an investment portfolio, you have to put it on your speculative bucket. And so, you know, I, I, I when people ask me, you know, should I buy Bitcoin here? Like, do I like Bitcoin here? I, I don't know where we're at 41,000 this morning. And you know, the answer is, I think everyone should own a little bit of Bitcoin. Everyone should I own a little bit. I think it should, you know, and, and a little bit is, is, is different from the for person you're talking people. to and, and, and the situation you're in. But, you know, I think that the, um, you know, this is an, an asset class that is definitely still emerging. And I think that it is you know, to say it's to say it's done. I think is um, quite short-sighted. I think that the internet is only getting larger. I think that our generation is only getting wealthier and, and growing up and, and getting more resources under control. And the you know the the older generation is you know, that that doesn't that doesn't understand this as much. I'll, I think it's fair to say uh, is is you know dying off and leaving their wealth to the younger generation. And I, I just I can't see I can't see the bed of shorting of shorting, you know, this space and, 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 you know, progress like this, that would be, that'd be an uncomfortable position to be in, I think. And it, it is, um, yeah, I would be, I would be horribly uncomfortable looking at something that went from not existing to a $2 trillion market cap in a decade. Like I, I, as, uh, and I guess people feel the, the no coiner perspective is that they feel that they are risk averse and so they don't want to take the risk of investing in something that's volatile when like risk averse people actually you're taking on so like they take on so much more risk because there there are i don't know there some some percentage of of the simulation for the world comes out where 
Bitcoin is a million dollars a coin and and everyone is Web3 native and you need to have an Ethereum wallet to like go to the DMV. I'm not I'm not even saying that's like the most likely thing. I'm not even saying that's one percent of the outcomes, but it is a thing. I mean, absolutely. Those are real things. I think that, you know, a lot of uh, portfolio theory teaches diversity and teaches that that's the that's the only free lunch is to is to be diversified, uh, you know, across a broad spectrum of assets and thinking that Bitcoin is not an asset worthy of that diversity now, I mean, like at what point does it become one? If it's not there, like, is it never gonna be there? Does it need to be $250,000 a coin to bit there? Like at what point do you do you put the respect on its name that it, it, it has arrived? I mean, I think that I've read the market cap is 2 trillion now for all the all the coins that feels, you know, a little hand wavy to me, um, but it's, it's a big number, right? And it's, it's the mind share, I think is, is unarguable. Um, the, the amount yeah. of talent, the, the, the mind, of- the mind share is huge because even the no coiners, it takes up a huge portion of their day because they, <laughs> they spend all day trying to put it and tell you why your, your bags are going to zero. <laughs> that, that is, um, that is not, that is something that absolutely happens. And, you know, uh, you hate to see it live rent free like, like, that, but, like but, just but imagine, imagine waking up every day and telling someone that owned like Google stock, like, oh, this is going to zero. Like this clearly, yeah. you know, it's just like, I don't know. It's a oh, weird re- mindset. Being reputationally short crypto is probably the most painful trade because you, you know, these people that you are just out get there dumped on, on Twitter, every day every, for, I mean, a decade now, like it's so tough, but like, I mean, you know, God bless them for holding strong to their convictions, I suppose. But like, ooh, at some point, you got to reevaluate priors, I suppose. But weirdly enough, you see that this is such a human impulse because now the Bitcoin people are reputationally short on NFTs. And they're like, this is so dumb. Why would you ever buy a crypto punk? Why would you ever buy a hate to see it, man. Yeah. And it's just like, I, I found this to be personally super frustrating because one of the things that I loved so much about getting into Bitcoin was these people were truly not tethered to an ideology. They were not, they were like, I have an open mind. This is fascinating to me. I see the use case for this. I see the world being more digitally native. And now, you know, the same people whose podcasts I would listen to five years ago, they sound like traditional finance people fudding Bitcoin when they're fudding NFTs. And it's like, did you, you just went through this arguing against the, you know, showing the establishment why they were wrong. Why, why are you becoming traditional finance people as it pertains to a brand new asset class. Like it just, it makes no sense to me. I mean, I will say NFTs, I think, you know, three things in my life, you know, uh, professionally really grabbed me and it was, uh, it was poker. It was, uh, it was, you know, Bitcoin and now, now NFTs. I, I have, uh, I have been, you know, to use your term, NFT pilled uh, pretty hard um, yeah. in the, in the past, I, I don't know, I don't know, seven months now it's, uh, it, it's gone from, a true curiosity, like that doesn't make sense. Like a guy dunking a basketball, like I can watch it on YouTube to, uh, you know, I was a right click save guy in the beginning. I, like, I, I remember I, you, you DM'd me. I remember you DM'd me about that right? shot and you were like, I, I, I can even, I, I'll go see if I can pull it up. But yeah, you, oh, you, cause it's, I was, it, it's going to be I embarrassing. I'm sure, it. but I won't, good. if it's embarrassing, it's I won't, take I won't the, read it out. No, I got to, you got to take the L when you got to take the L like, that's fine. Okay. So you asked me, uh, oh, actually, no, this is fine. You said, can oh, you cash the oh. money at a top shot? And you said, if you can, it's super legit. If not, I have more questions. And that was back. So that was February 22nd. So that was like, literally, that was the day. That that was the that was the, the high day, point, February 22nd. Of, of top shot. Because I think the moments got like, I mean, they were Keldon Johnson S2 base moments for $1,000 a piece. And I was like, 
did did I miss this? Is this the new you know the new world government is on is on the flow blockchain uh, right you know, trading trading so you know, gifts like, so that's you you must have been right on it because that was the that February twenty second is like that's the high that was that was the most fever pitch okay. that it ever got and then. Okay. It, it kind of yewed after that. Like it's, it was went way down and it's kind of trending on its way back up as the season's about Good. to start again. Um, but that was, I mean, so that was a centralized uh, NFT exchange, right? Where Absolutely. They, Absolutely. Yeah. I, I even, I, I mean, I, I, I have two minds of it. I, I, I like to think that Top Shots are true NFTs. They are non-fungible tokens. It is a token that is traded between accounts. So, they are, but you know, it's like the, not- By a base definition it is, yeah. but it's not a decentralized- Right, non fungible yeah. token. I imagine that that you know Rohan could steal your gifts if he wanted to. If he wanted to, uh, right, and he has no incentive to. But like, no one can steal your CryptoPunk um, unless you put your yeah. in or something. Yeah, but you put like, that. You put that. I mean, they can right click save it if they want. They get and and then they they pump your bags. I think that's one of the 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 sorriest arguments. I mean, I I, I own a few CryptoPunks, and like, if somebody else wants to avatar one of my punks. I appreciate it. Like I would almost like <laughs> if they were a big time enough account, I would like do a rev share with them or something or, or give them some of the upside. Like it's a great thing having, having your art out there when, you know, you own a Picasso painting and everybody starts talking about the painting. Like that's good for the painting's value. So right. I, it's, it's such a, a lazy, it's a way to kind of winnow out uh, serious people pretty quickly. If they're, if they do the right click save, you can, uh, you can know they haven't thought about this very deeply uh, pretty quick. And yeah, because, it takes about 10 minutes. If someone is truly open-minded, it takes about 10 minutes of serious conversation to explain to them why NFTs are legit, which is like, we're more digitally native than ever. More people are going to see your Twitter profile than you'll meet in your lifetime, right? Like I, I have 40,000 Twitter followers. I'll never meet 40,000 people in my life. I mean, maybe maybe over the course of my life, I'll, I'll introduce myself to 40,000 people. Sure, you really people, put yourself out there. Yeah. Th- those people would have no way of knowing like, how much wealth does this guy have? Is this guy poor? Is this guy rich? What's his job? What, you know? Sure. And if I just change my profile picture to a punk or to an ape, and I, I have a, a Pernelope's Country Club avatar, okay. which is, okay. that's my that's my favorite NFT. That's the, oh. that's the best NFT to me. And- that like immediately communicates a lot of things that I want to be communicated. And like, uh, I, I'm kind of like whatever on Gary V, but he did actually have this like great clip the other day that he posted where he was like, you know, I meet someone on the street and if they don't know who I am, there's no real way for them to communicate. Like I'm Gary V, but someone logs on to my Instagram and they see the blue check and they're like, Oh shit. You know, like the, like the blue check is like, and we already acknowledge that that's something that's already like, societally acknowledged as like the blue check and nfts are just like a more verifiable form of stuff like that it's a great point yeah i think twitter has actually gotten into nfts a little bit i think you're able to i don't know if it's it's out yet but you're able to like put in verify your your address and you can you can verify your and it's just like that's not that's that's not going backwards like that's that's only going to get tighter and tighter integrated and uh, the, the the possibilities for this stuff are, are are truly truly endless. I think we're just scratching the surface. I, uh, the digital art is a great place for it to start. It's very very accessible, even to people that aren't crypto native. They they see this stuff and they're like, oh, okay, I want to buy that. There's been uh, there's been some guy who's been buying. Um, are you familiar with the uh, art blocks? Yeah yeah yeah. Um, so the squiggles are kind of one of their their original projects. Uh, mm-hmm. Little you know, drabs of color, little bits of color and. Uh, there's been some guy who's been buying like rare squiggles uh, and he spent, I don't know, a 
5,000 ETH on them or something in the past month or something. And um, from what I understand, he's this, he's this British billionaire traditional art collector. And he's, yep. you know, he's, he's early on and he sees these things as, as relatively cheap compared to some of the, I'm sure some of the paintings he's collected. And, you know, if they are cornerstone pieces of, of digital art and, you know, they have the provenance of history behind them. They, they, they are early and you can't fake early. You can fake a lot of other stuff, but you know, all of these profile project, picture projects, I think will, will, will look early. Now, will they all have a bid in five years? Like probably not. Yeah. But, no, that's the, that's the, the NFT thing is like people who, people who are crypto native, but don't want to do it as they say, well, 99% of these are going to zero anyway. So I just, am not going to do the work and just ignore it. Sure. And I was one of those people like a month ago. Sure. And it's just, it's intellect. And I, you know, props to you for coming off that stance. I think it's very easy to harden in a stance when people tell you you're wrong. It's like, no, 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 I'm right. Let me tell you why. Instead of saying, well, maybe actually I'm wrong. And I just, I do think that the uh, 99 are going to zero, therefore I won't invest is, is, is it, is a defense mechanism. It's a way of being okay to miss the boat because. Right. Well, yeah. It's, it's, I, me- I it's mental anyway. gymnastics. So, yeah, sure. And you know, I think we were something we talked about earlier is people want to, you know, uh, give themselves all the credit and deflect all the blame. And, uh, you know, that is, a, that is, a, you can, you can see the cope through the screen. Uh, that is an easy way to say it. Yeah. And I actually, I was, um, I've gotten more interested in NFTs as it relates to the art world, because I, I was listening to coin talk show this morning, they just had a new episode come out and they made the point that like, you know, some of the biggest art collectors in the world, these are all like 70, 80 year old men and women. Like these people are not going to be around for long. And pretty soon their wealth is going to be in their 37 year old kids who know about crypto punks and know about Fidenzas and know about art blocks. And like uh, the, the example they gave was Steve Wynn. So Steve Wynn has all these hotels and everything, and he buys really nice art to, to put in those hotels. But like, I, don't, I assume Steve Wynn has children. And when Steve Wynn's kids take over that hotel establishment like why wouldn't they buy uh you know board eight number 69 or or you know punk 420 or something and oh my gosh or or a squiggle or or you know one of the best art blocks like what it why are we creating such a distinction between like oh you got to have uh you know uh, a monet hanging here like why why would it why would a fidenza like I, i don't like there's no reason those things need to be different no, and it's it's narrative. Honestly, Monet has what two hundred fifty years of narrative behind him. You know, that's right. that's what eight ten generations of people knowing that Monet is nice art, and it's just a it's a shortcut. It's a hack. It's you know, I know nothing about art, but I know a Monet is a nice art, and you have a Monet, therefore you like nice art. A Fidenza has four months of narrative behind it. Right uh, now, narrative on the internet propagates a hell of a lot faster. Than yeah, it's does, like a, uh, a day. A day yeah. in NFT time is like a year in real lifetime. Uh, but you know that that narrative is is propagated, and, and you know all art is it, there's you know, there's no cash flow, there's no nothing. It's it's narrative. It's narrative based, and if you can get you know if if traditional art people start taking this or become you know crypto native and, and take these narratives and run with them, I mean, what's the where, where's the upper bound? Where's the limit? It's well, and, it's, it's and- truly exciting to think about even more like museums think about like the tough spot they've been in financially the last 18 months. Like people are not, I mean, maybe some people are traveling to, you know, go to the Louvre or whatever, but like probably a lot of people postponed that vacation or, you know, they're, they're not going to the local art museum in the, in their city. Cause they're like, yeah, you know, I want to limit mics. Like people are, are returning to normal life, but like, I, so like 
for me, cost benefit analysis, like I go to the gym because like, if I just get fat, like, I know that's a terrible, that's got got downsides for sure. Yeah. But like, I don't know, do I need to go to a concert? Do I need to be going like to the gym or do I need to be going to like museums and stuff? Like, I don't know, that feels like uh, on the cost benefit scale, like a little bit more risk than, uh, than it's worth or whatever. And the, the next step to that would be like, oh, we have a digital art collection. Uh, we have, we have a punk, we have an ape, we have uh, a bunch of art blocks and stuff. And like, as a, you know, I don't, they're just, they're the, the, I do get NFT FUD like way more than I get Bitcoin FUD. Like there are, there are, um, analogs that what, you can what's, draw. what's what's res- what's resonated with you what's the fud that kind of stuck with you the most that you're so like, like okay okay there's a point nf nft fud the the one that makes it most compelling to me is that a lot of the people spending uh huge amounts of money are people who got super lucky with eth really early like they were mm-hmm. in on the pre-mine or whatever and they're richer than they possibly know what to deal with and sure. so there is at some point that group of people could just be like, all right, well, like we were playing this game for a while, but like, it's not that interesting anymore. Or, uh, you know, something, uh, the, the price of Ethereum drops. And a lot of these people are like, well, you know, that was a fun six months. I made more money than I can ever imagine. I'm cashing this stuff out to USD and, uh, that money is going to leave the ecosystem. And that more importantly, like the attention will leave the ecosystem and, sure. you know, a little bit of, a little bit of like SEC FUD and stuff as it pertains to NFTs sure. though. I, I do think like Gensler is clearly so far behind what's going on that that might take a while, but that just in general, it feels a little, the, the ground feels shakier that the, sure. you know, some of these things that are like some things that have like a five ETH floor right now or whatever, those could go to like, point two ETH floor or whatever if people mm-hmm. just stop caring now now like punks i there's not a fud that i like i just think that's like a rolex now for rich people like i just think that sure. is what it is I, I don't see that stuff going anywhere sure I, I would say um you know on the sec side i think that you know the probably the best place to be right now is in nfts i think that the government's going to have a lot of trouble arguing that a crypto punk is a security um, so right. I would say that that's probably the least thing that I'm worried about is, you know, uh, some sort of regulation. This is, you know, from the government's point of view, it's kids playing games. So like, you know, there's nothing to regulate there. This is not, you know, fungible tokens that could be a security that are traded on a centralized exchange. You know, that, that I'm, that I'm much less concerned about. You know, I think the, the much more uh, concerning thing would be, would be what you were talking about before that is the, is the attention, is the money, is the you know, people have deployed large amounts of money or sitting on, you know, unrealized gains or what have you in, in these, uh, in these, in these pixels. And, you know, could the attention go away? Absolutely. We were early. We haven't, we just talked about the Fidenzas have been around for four months or, or five months or something. They, they don't have the narrative that a Monet has. Um, and, and, you know, could, could attention leave Monet? It's like, sure, I suppose. But like, I don't imagine Monet or owners are worried about that. Cause then yeah, they're, they're so not, entrenched. they're not checking the price. They're not, they're not waking up and checking the price of like, and being like sales. Ah, did, what was the last, what was the last one at? I mean, they might, they may check, you know, once a year or something at the, at the big auction when, when a couple sell, but you know, that's an entrenched narrative. We don't, our narratives are less entrenched online. And so, you know, I think that the, the usual disclaimers of don't invest more than you can lose, you know, try to be in blue chips. If you can, it's, it's way safer, even though the upside's less like, you know, those are, those are there for a reason because they don't have like, you know, the, the board apes, you know, the crypto punks, like they don't have the narratives entrenchment of traditional art. And so, 
you know, as each day goes by, they get a little bit more ossified and, and that, that narrative sets a little bit more. And so it is kind of de-risking it a little bit more, the, the longer prices can stay, you know, elevated or, or high like this, or even shoot, climb higher. But um, yeah, I, I agree with you. It is, that is the risk in this space is that people just stop caring. Uh, I, I don't see it happening, um, but it absolutely could. There's, there's no, there's no law that, that, you know, no law of nature that requires people to care about the digital art. I think one of the things that NFTs too is that's unexplored is like, you know, the monetization of different, uh, of different cultural assets. Um, uh, I've been right. on the, uh, on Coke, uh, the company put out their first NFT uh, a couple months ago and I, I bid on it, but I think it went for, it went for 200 K or something. It went, it went pretty high and, you know, they haven't made a ton of commitment to the space, but, you know, I'll give you an example. Um, if uh, the company, I don't know if the company Rare is still in business or not, but whoever owns the, uh, the original characters of, of GoldenEye 64, how have they not NFT'd those characters and, and, sure. and auctioned them off or put them up for bid? I would pay a, like an uncomfortable amount of money for Oddjob or, or, right. or, or Jaws or, or the, you know, Alec Trevelyan, like stuff of, of my youth that I would love to, to own that, that these guys are, these guys are sitting on this so much unmonetized, you know, IP, uh, you know, I, I've seen some Oklahoma Sooners stuff. Like the Oklahoma Sooners should have NFTs that, and maybe they could oh, have, yeah. they, if could, I, if, they could do like, stuff. They could, Oklahoma they could Sooners, you, even tickets, like a, a ticket sure. to a game. Like I, I would, sure. I would uh, even if I didn't go to the game, I would love to have an NFT collection of like Sooners tickets. Sure. Of just, and, and like, maybe they're only valuable to you. Maybe it's a really important game. Somebody, you know, offers you a little bit of money for it. Like, like they would for any ticket stub. I, I think that, the, this this space is re really just scratching the surface. You could could NFT the, the Davis Matic gift. The uh, oh you yeah, know, you know which one I'm talking about. I, I would like there's an amount of money that people would pay for that. Like I, I, that gets passed around my buddies' chat sometimes. Like that's a that's a fantastic gift. Like and that's that's unmonetized content right now. That like there is a bid for that. Uh, you know whether there always be a bid for that. You know who's to say? But I think right now, especially like. The people are, are tokenizing these things and they're just, these traditional companies are so slow to it. And it's just, it's just so surprising to me that people aren't, aren't grabbing this bull by the horns. And maybe, you know, maybe if you're, if you're neck deep in it, you see, you have a perspective that's not uh, in line with the rest of the uh, rest of reality, but it, it feels so obvious to me that these, these, these companies should be, should be rushing these things to market and, and, you know, doing a good job interfacing with the collectors and, you know, making some money. And there's like a whole world of utility to be added to these tokens that is not there yet, right? Like, uh, Absolutely. like the, that's a great point. I think Gary that. Gary V is talking about doing like a restaurant where to like be able to go to it, you have to own mm -hmm. one of like one of his tokens. Uh, there was like a hint mm -hmm. of on the 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 Board Ape Yacht Club just released a new roadmap, and like they hinted at like a, a physical location where you'd have to have uh, an ape or a mutant ape. Proof of ape. In. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's it, and like. I, and I mean, we're all like, you already see it in these discords, like these discords have like gated sections mm -hmm. where like you have to be the token holder to get in. Like, uh, like I'm in these discords where like there's like a public section and then there's like a whole gated section where- Prove where you, your identity, yeah, sign a message yeah, and you get yeah, you, the rest you of the- verify access, Yeah, you verify ownership of the token and like sure. I don't, those can be really valuable spaces. Like you you get a lot of like good alpha and stuff in there and I- Absolutely. And and people do this for free anyways, right? You you change your your profile picture to the logo of your favorite DFS site or of your sure. favorite sports team or whatever and you are, you know, you're communicating like I'm a member of this community and it's mm -hmm. just a, a verifiable way to do that. Like they're I I don't know. I I just think the the 
the FUD I don't buy into is that NFTs are like a flash in the pan and that these are, this is a, we'll, we'll remember this as like a, like we remember Beanie Babies or whatever. Like I, I don't, I don't buy that, that feels, at all. That feels tough. That feels, that feels like a position that's, that's tough. Another, another position I would not like to hold uh, is, uh, is short NFTs as a, as a reputational trade. I mean, you just, you're really betting against a lot of, a lot of uh, development. You're betting against through. the internet. You're, be- you're, you're betting against the internet. That's been a, that's been a pain trade since the, the 90s and uh, will continue to be, I think. Yeah. Like uh, also, did you know, like you, you might, you might remember this, like people talk about the, the Beanie Baby stuff. Like it was this unbelievable generational wealth transfer or whatever. And one of my buddies just read a book about it and was like, people were buying them for like $5 and selling them for like $30. Like it, like they, like I, I didn't know that. I, I, didn't, didn't I don't think that. I realized that either. Yeah. It, which is hilarious to think about considering the amount of money that's getting thrown around now. I mean, even the, even tulips, you know, if you ever like actually dig into, you know, oh, the, the it's, Dutch that's tulip not mania, even real. It's not even it's, real. It's, yeah, it's, it, I mean, yes, people paid a couple, you know, a couple of shekels above, uh, above what's reasonable, you know, for, a couple days or something, but yeah, it's not, it's, it's like, you guys want to guess going to do better. Like you just want, you want better quality FUD. And and I'm just, I'm disappointed. I, I keep, I keep looking for it and not, and not finding. I want to be challenged. Yeah, I mean, if people, I if been. people have reasonable FUD, I'm always down to hear it out. Like every once in a while, I'll get a DM from people who message me about uh, the environmental FUD and like, uh, yeah, it's another one. I'm a real, I'm like a, I'm not a, no longer like a self-identifying liberal. I, I consider myself like a leftist. Like I care very much about the environment and human rights and things like that. And people will be like, you know, how can you hold these positions and be into crypto when like it's killing the environment? And like the, I mean, there are, there are a list of reasons why the environment FUD is not real. But the first one is just that anyone that's using electricity is just using the power grid where they're located. And but I mean, what do you, what, how do you think real money gets created? How do you think your yeah, car drives? Like it's another very unexamined, um, you know, just kind of like uh, a parroted, like, Oh, I read this on Twitter that each Ethereum transaction kills, you know, two small birds and a, and a chimpanzee. And it's like, right. God, like, <laughs> okay. I, I, do we have to do this? I guess we, I, you know, it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't stand up to even a little bit of scrutiny. I don't think, I mean, Maybe there's something there that, I'm, that I keep missing, but I mean, yes, you know, things that people use pollute, and yes, you know, Bitcoin is something people use, Ethereum is something people use, so so they therefore pollute. And yes, you can extrapolate out the, the numbers and make it sound very scary, I suppose, but you know, do that for the you know for the, the, the traditional system, the the military. There's there's all sorts. Yeah, what of, do you, what of do you think the military like, does to the environment? It's it's probably you know again like people who really like the military shots military people but like uh, you know they're probably not great for the environments as well but like do they just get they just get a pass I suppose things things that that a, the traditional world experience. yeah things that the traditional world doesn't like don't get a pass and things that are entrenched in our right. consciousness do get a pass and that right. I mean that right. that's just that's just as simple that's as just, this so that's just how it is yeah yeah you know, all right fine. Final, final question. Shoot. All of this, Bitcoin, Ethereum, million dollar punks, Dow hitting the all-time high every single day, 33% of the US dollars in existence being printed in the last year, the petrodollar, all of it. This is, this is the FUD that actually scares me. This is, this is the real FUD for all of this stuff that actually does scare me. Where does it all go? 
I mean, because I, I think the, the idea that all the, the, the super cycle continues forever indefinitely until humans cease to exist. Like it just, it, it, it feels very unlikely that the Dow is going to be at its all time high for the remainder of like my lifetime. Right. Or that all of this stuff happens Probably without not. pain. Right. There, there's gotta be, there's, there's gotta be pain coming for some people in some sectors somewhere. And I, I'm just, I'm, I, I ask this to everyone I know, just like, what is your perspective on all of this? Well, so do a thought experiment with me. Like, let's say that there is, you know, there's a hundred dollars out in the world. And then all of a sudden one day, there's now $200. So, so the money supply has doubled. Mm-hmm. And let's say that prices along with the money supply doubled as well. So, you know, uh, baseball cards went higher in value and crypto punks went higher in value and the, the stock market went higher in value and, and all of that stuff as well. Did, did, was anything created? Was any, like, was any, was, did anything move? Did anything change? I would argue, no, that, it just prices of the scarcer assets, the, the, the baseball cards or the stock market or what have you, um, just moved in line with the money supply. They said that there is now more money chasing you know, the same amount of goods. Therefore, prices should go up roughly by the amount of money that was that was created. And obviously, that's a um, that's an example that that, you know, is more of a toy game than, than any sort of um, uh, explainer. Hey, of the toy real world, toy games have a lot of value, though. Toy games have a ton of value. They have a, a ton of value, but they this one I think can explain some of these price increases. If if more money is in the system and the same amount of stocks are out there, then stocks should go up roughly by the amount of new money that came into the system. That's just it, and and nothing was created or nor destroyed. It was just you know that that was yes, it looks good that the prices are going up, and yes, it's you know it's tough for people that are underexposed or, or what have you. But I don't think that. You know, the printing has really, it's distorted sections of the economy for sure in the short term. I think those distortions will get worked out because capitalism is a, is a system that, that does that. But to me, it's not, it doesn't seem like there has to be pain necessarily because I don't think that anything you know, is, is long-term problematic with, with adding more money to the, to the economy. Prices just go up. And that's just kind of, you know, it's just kind of a, a cause you know, meets effect. I think to get that money out of the system, there would then be pain because now prices are at a level that you have gotten used to, um, you know, uh, mentally. And if, you know, they try to uh, use a wealth tax, use higher ta- taxation is how money exits the system. And so, you know, should there be large bouts of taxation to try to you know, bring the money supply back down to where it was, uh, what did you say, 18 months ago, I believe, then there would be pain because people are, people have mental, you know, people have purchased, you know, uh, things at, at higher values. And now it's very, very hard for it to go back down. So do I see it as, you know, does there have to be pain? No, I think we can just kind of chill at this new normal now where, you know, there's, there's more money and I said, prices are higher and, you know, should there eventually, you know, the, the, the distortions become too much. And, and that's where you get, that's where you get pain. Well, you, you also get the pain when wages don't rise, when, when food is more expensive and houses are more expensive and, you know, minimum wage is still 12 bucks or whatever like that, that that's pain for a whole different group of people, more more visceral pain. I do agree with that. I do think wages are a lagging indicator, but it is something that does catch up. I think people are not willing to work for 725 an hour anymore. I think that that's like, that's, that's, you know. Amazon is starting people at $18 an hour with benefits now. Um, 
you know, I'm on the board of a nonprofit and we just increased our, um, our min wage to 15 an hour as you know, you are seeing the, the knock on effects of this extra money, you know, come down to the hourly worker level. And, and that's excellent. That's how it should be. That's, it is slow. Uh, employers resist doing that for very obvious reasons, but right. Um, they also want to keep their, their, their staffing levels. You see these restaurants that, that can't open because they don't have enough staff. And it's like, I have an idea for you. Yeah. Why don't you pay? Why don't you try pay paying people more? That's, that's a, it's a job that no one, you know, few people work at, at, at these, these chain restaurants, you know, out of, out of, out of passion. Out of love, they, they do it right. because they, uh, you know, they, they have a roof to keep over their head, pay them more. And they, and so, you know, that's the, um, that's why it's lacking indicators because employers don't want to increase that, that line item in their expense report, but they will, they will, or they, you know, will, will be shut down um, by, by lack of, lack of workers. So I, I, I am less concerned about it maybe than the average. Um, I just see it as a, as a, a temporary upheaval that the economy has to get used to having this shot in the arm, this, this extra money, but, you know, we'll all get adjusted to, to where we're at and, you know, kind of sally on forward. Yeah. Well, that is a, that is a good answer. I mean, that some of the, I, you know, I, I'm in all these chats and all these discords and everyone has their, their own opinions about all of it. And the, the NFT people are like, we're going to make money forever. And some of my more traditional finance friends are like, this is going to be painful at some point, you know, and, and everyone has their, their own, their own take on it. And, and you know, the, the scariest answer is we don't really know, right. That that's re- always, but, always yeah, that there's no yeah. wizard behind the curtain. That's, that's the most scary. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, there we go. I, I think that was uh, I think that was a good show. Uh, do you, do you want people to follow you on Twitter or, or do you want to, do you want uh, people sure. to see the punk? Not a, uh, I'm not a huge uh, Twitterer, but uh, I did a spaces last night. I, um, you know, I'm trying to trying to get out there a little bit more and do a little more, a uh, little more content. Uh, you know, get the, uh, get the uh, people thing here. My views on the NFTs and uh, and the like. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yellow sub eighty six on uh, on Twitter. There we go, yellow sub eighty six, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll be back next week, everybody.